Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In this episode of r slash pro revenge i have one of the most intricate one of the most well thought out and one of the most brilliant stories of revenge that you've ever heard it's so fantastic in each and every way that i've had to separate it into two parts it's a long one but wow is it good so without further ado let's get into it sit back relax enjoy this one here we go keep screwing over your group members this teacher is tired of your trash this is my first post here and for reasons that will soon become obvious this subreddit speaks to the depths of my soul It's also a very long one because I want you to delight in my destruction. The particular flavor of this revenge comes from the fact that everything that goes down is the result of a domino effect that leaves devastation in its wake. My backstory. I've been teaching for many years, but it's important to understand that in my first year of teaching, I got put on blast by an elite group of entitled parents and their entitled kids. Not a week went by without someone either demanding my job, trying to undermine me, or just calling me a POS. I nearly quit halfway through the first semester. The verbal and emotional abuse was so bad. This was at a school in a tough area. So I was accused of racism constantly for asking kids to stop talking. I was ripped into for giving failing grades for missing work and even enforcing the rules in the student parent handbook got me in hot water. My principal reprimanded me for being a negative influence on the school and I was told that I needed to let more rules slide because he was tired of hearing from parents. I would have parents just show up unannounced to sit in on my lessons and then tell me I was a trashy educator, a bad human being, etc. I have plenty of horror stories from that school alone, but the point I want to make is that this experience defined the kind of teacher I became going forward to my next school. I needed to be that person who was untouchable because I needed to focus on the one job that mattered, teaching kids. So my next school was in a fairly affluent area. It wasn't uncommon for me to find out that my students' parents made millions, which brought its own unique set of problems. However, my new principal was super supportive of me as long as I followed the school's handbook to the letter because by doing so, I was in line with the school's philosophy and protected by law. We seriously had parents filing frivolous lawsuits all the dang time. The school had long ago learned that caving to parents' demands spilled blood in the water and brought the rest of the sharks in droves. My first year at this new school was successful for many reasons, but primarily because the school culture was easily adapted to. By planning ahead, I was able to head off 99% of all negative parents at the pass. The few times a parent tried to rip into me at conferences, I ripped back so hard that I developed a reputation amongst the kids and parents as someone you couldn't screw with. Everything I did was in line with the rules and any attempt to take me down got stonewalled by my principal, who would have to say, 
Mr. OP is following school policy, so I'm afraid the ultimate decision is his. No joke, I had some parents in tears because their kid could no longer get an A in my class. I wasn't the teacher who wanted to destroy kids. I just wanted them to be accountable. And sometimes that meant letting them fail. Needless to say, this job became a lot of fun because instead of waiting to be ambushed by parents, I could work on making my class fun for my students while still teaching them something. I made ironclad rules for the classroom that brooked little argument and would adapt the following year to make it harder for students or parents to ruin my day. I have many stories like this, but this is one of my favorites. So, the backstory. The year this happened, I taught a high school class with grades 9 to 12. That's 14 to 18 year olds for you overseas guests. My class wasn't necessary to graduate, but did count as a core requirement. One of my beginning of the year rules was, I never want to hear, when will we ever need this because you didn't have to sign up for this class. How I structure my class is that I try to make students accountable for their own actions. My class was built so that I had something to offer everybody. If you tried your best, you were guaranteed a C. If you worked really hard, you could get a B or an A. I would bust my butt to help a student with any reasonable request. The best example of this was a student working hard on an assignment who said, I think I understand it now, but I can't turn it in on time. To which I answered, then turn it in tomorrow for full credits. This is how hard work pays off. Other than a few hard deadlines in my class, I would do whatever it took to see you learn the material. Now, screw around in my class? Well, I've already found ways to run circles around the pathetic excuses you throw at your parents for your awful performance. It sounds callous, but I was the teacher who would stay for 90 minutes after school to help you catch up, to help fix your project for another class, or even to listen to you cry about your parents' divorce. If I caught you goofing in class instead of doing your work, my rule was that at least 70% of class time was intended for homework, quizzes, etc. I would warn you a couple of times. Email your parents and then wait and see if they even gave a dang. If they didn't, I would let you keep digging that hole until you were hip deep in water and begging for a ladder. And then I would toss you a rope instead. You could still climb it if you tried hard enough, but a lot of kids would just cry until that hole caved in and buried them. I also utilized my school's online grading slash assignment system for nearly all of my assignments, which meant I could document when a student looked at the assignment, how long it took them, etc. All of this allowed me to see what my students were doing, when they did it, and also if they were plagiarizing. This was one of the tools that helped me make important decisions about leniency and also allowed me to say things at conferences such as, of course the test was hard, your child didn't attempt the nine homework assignments until 11pm the night before the test. Being able to prove that a student wasn't trying made it impossible for blame to be laid unfairly at my feet. It also meant the worst kids avoided my class. Bonus. However, this year something magical happened. Every other year, I would get a wave of kids who just wanted to screw around and blame everyone else for doing poorly. At the end of the year, students would talk terribly about me, my class sizes would drop the following year, then I'd receive high praise from those kids, so everyone would sign up, so on and so on. But this year, not only did I get a giant wave of knuckleheads, but they came with parents who loved to make trouble. I'd already heard tales of some of these parents. Other teachers were just dying to hear stories about our interactions because these parents were very much entitled. They would name drop lawyers when they didn't get their way, try to badger teachers into giving their kids extra credit, and would largely deny any wrongdoing on their kids' part. These were the parents who would get called in because their student was busted cheating, 
then accuse the teacher of making the class too hard, therefore validating their students' need to cheat. So about these knuckleheads. It was a group of roughly seven senior boys who all shifted their schedules to be in the same period with each other. The other teachers could not believe that I had all of them at the same time, but I just shrugged it off. Every week, the staff lounge was dying to know how I dealt with their shenanigans, but for the most part, I'd shut down most of their trash from day one. I actually got along very well with them, despite their constant goofing, because they'd mastered the ability to appear busy and didn't distract my other kids. Then came the first group project. My class size was just right for seven groups of four to form. The idiot collective formed two groups of four by pulling in a kid who'd been absent on the first day of the project. These two groups crashed and burned on this project super hard for several reasons, but the biggest were that A, they screwed around during class time, and B, put off a two-week assignment until the weekend before, and then dumped all the work on everybody else, which resulted in everybody doing minimal efforts. I handed out their terrible grades and was immediately pulled into parent conferences with several of them, one at a time, obviously. Every meeting was the same. My kid did all the work, so he doesn't deserve a bad grade. Or, my kid didn't understand the assignments, to which I handed over my hyper-specific rubric, which is a checklist for how I grade things. I never wanted to be accused of grading based on not liking a kid. These largely went like this. My kid did all the work, and I don't think it's fair it should hurt his grade, an entitled parent would say. Well, here is the work your student turned in. I'd then hand it over. Here is my rubric, which I printed and emailed to your student the day the project started. Then I'd hand that over. As you can see, I've itemized the grading for ease of use. I'd be happy to go over the grade your student earned. The entitled parent would then read through all the evidence and look at their kid. Where are the missing parts? Uh, my group members were responsible for that. Then I would say, I can't grade what I never received, so I can't reasonably just raise your kid's grade. Sorry. Now, good news for all my students. I make assignments worth more throughout the semester, with the idea that kids who screw up early on can make it up later by working hard. I seed extra credit throughout the semester, and all of these parents are disgruntled, but happy to hear that their entitled embryo can still get an A in my class. Now, the end result of these meetings was that it clearly wasn't my fault. Remember, I had all this data to prove that I made every effort to contact everybody, etc. So, it must be the other kid's fault. So these parents would all decide that their perfect angel is no longer allowed to work with their previous group mates. Like a cancer, this failure of friends distributes through the rest of the class. Like the genius that I am, I make my students write a group contract for every project that details who does what and when it is due. Now, why is this important? Because the contract provides me the documentation necessary to allow me to dismiss a bad group member and give them a zero without their parent trashing all over my day. So here is where the problem begins manifesting. These seniors begin bouncing from group to group like cancerous ping pong balls wreaking havoc. I let students choose their groups. So these seniors are desperately integrating with anybody that will have them. Because of my class size, every group has at least one coddled child to deal with. And these children just end up rotating until all of my students have worked with one of these seniors at some points. Now I'm getting constant complaints from parents of other kids about these boys. Their kid wanted a good grade, which means they ended up doing all the work while the senior slacked. This is usually after the fact, at which time I bring up, I would love to yank that leech out of your grade pool, but you have to use the contracts. Students don't want to say anything because they fear retribution from the seniors, but I can't do anything because I'll be accused of harassment. 
The contract can provide me with the leverage I need to prove that these kids were doing no work because these seniors have been playing their parents for years. I make my class utilize Google Docs because the changes are timestamps. No joke, I've had students produce all the work the morning of a parent meeting to try and lie their way out and make me look like a POS, but that timestamp is a godsend. Luckily, my class is balanced. A trashy group mate can make things hard, but not undoable. And parents are appeased that I have an out for their kid, but disappointed that their kid doesn't use it. Every time I announce a group project is on the way, some of these seniors sucker up to the other kids to the point that it is expected that a spot will be made for them. I'm talking buying kids lunch, bringing them gifts, etc. Seriously, the day before a group project starts, all of the seniors now sit at separate tables from each other so that they could pull the I'm already here, let's be in a group card, which works most of the time. The strain on class morale is difficult, but I'm biding my time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The other students are grabbing at extra credit opportunities constantly so that their grade can absorb the blow. And parents' complaints are completely mitigated because I'm still offering every chance for success. My principal has a copy of my syllabus in his computer so that he can quote student policies that the parents signed off on. Not uncommon for him to hear, I don't read that so it doesn't apply. But he then reminds them that the clause above the signature line says, my signature denotes that I've read this document in its entirety and agreed to abide by all the rules or something similar. And that this should be a lesson to the parent and the student that when you sign something, you should read the fine print. Notes, if you ever become a teacher, find an awesome boss like this and stick by their side. So, the setup. In total, I have seven slothful seniors, but I shall name the worst of these Larry, Curly, and Moe. The fallout affects all of them, but these three are the ones whose parents have a hard-on for making trouble. Every time they bully a teacher into compliance, I imagine they sit around a smoking room with cigars and cognac, laughing at how they got their way yet again with a lowly teacher. I know that anything I do will be heavily scrutinized once the grades start falling, and I need to be able to shrug it off because I've got other stuff to do, and I refuse to be the smiling topic of discussion in their celebratory circle jerk. However, a special note about Larry. Since he turned 18, his parents now travel non-stop and are impossible to reach. Larry is now just a huge douche because his parents no longer care about what he does. I closely monitor their grades in my class, but also in others. Now, this may sound sketchy, but I routinely do this with any of my students who struggle with the material so that I can identify if the issue is my class or all of their classes. Students have been known to fake their grades using inspect elements, and I got tired of hearing, but they have A's in their other classes because then I look like a POS. Anyway, after a check, I speak with the other teachers. It isn't hard to find out that these boys are doing minimal work in other classes. And I actually discover that Larry has been finding ways to get other kids to do the work for him and then disseminating it among his friends. Other teachers have been bullied into lowering test percentages in their class 
And guess what? He and his friends are enrolled in his classes. Despite bombing these tests, homework and project grades give them a comfortable cushion so that most of them are floating at low Bs. I can't prove this, they're using Snapchat. But when I bring it up with their teachers, the teachers don't feel like trying to prove it and duke it out with the parents. Now, they are gaming other classes for minimal effort. However, their only recourse in my class is to keep rotating through groups and leeching off of their hard work to maintain Cs and Bs and the other kids are too nervous to utilize the group contract to get them fired. Remember how I mentioned that I steadily increased the value of my assignments to keep kids working and give them a chance to fix their grades? So here is me on a random day in class. Hey everybody, I was looking in the schedule and realized that your last project before finals may stress you out unnecessarily. Would anybody mind if I dropped it? My class, who are tired of getting banged on group assignments, say, Nope, drop it. Best teacher ever. Okay then. Well, just so you know, I reply, I'm going to move our next project back a couple of weeks and extend the deadline by a week. Also, since I cancelled the last project, this means that the next project will now be worth roughly 20% of your final grade. So do your best. Screwing this up could kill your grade. My class, whatever.jpg. So in one step, I have inflated this assignment and also moved it. I send out an email to parents and students, letting them know about the change to the syllabus and the assignments. I get no responses other than happiness that I'm removing stress from the end of the semester, etc. I actually did this primarily because another teacher, who was also a huge douchebag, plunked down a monster project that same week and I knew it would burn out my students prior to finals. So I figured a break was in order. Win-win for me, really. Now, why did I move it? Maniacal laughter.mp4. The Friday before the project started, I announced at the start of class, okay, I'm introducing the project now so that you can get into groups today and we can do it first thing Monday morning without delay since this project is so important. This announcement elicits a room full of poop-eating grins. Why? It was senior ditch day. Now, our school didn't condone a ditch day, so the kids tried their best to keep it a secret, but I found out a month in advance. All seven of these kids, therefore, were absent from class, which meant that I had just given the entire room freedom from these deadweights. Immediately, groups are formed, and even better, I had a couple of kids transfer out my class at semester, which meant, numbers-wise, these knuckleheads will have to work on this last group project together in two groups. I emphasized that everyone needed to get to class as soon as possible so that they could start as soon as attendance was called. My original intention was to light a giant fire under all seven of these chumps to get them to actually put in the effort they'd neglected to do all year. Most of them are grades in the low C range, except for one in the low Bs. As a bonus to all my students, I put an extra credit portion on this project so that they could recoup their early semester losses, but also allow these seniors to do very well if they put in the efforts. This wasn't meant to be a revenge tale, but an attempt to give them one last lesson in responsibility. Before the end of the day, I send out a parent-student notification that the project had been started and that any absent students needed to contact their classmates to establish groups before Monday morning. This was important, as you'll see. I'm sure you can guess what happened next. And guys, that is where I'm going to have to leave it for the end of part one. As you can see by the length of this episode already, there's over half of this story still to come. That's going to be published tomorrow if you're watching this on the day this goes live. Or it may well already be up. I mean, if you're not watching it on the day it goes live, it is already up. Check down below in the description 
or on screen somewhere right now if you're watching on YouTube. If there's a link there, it will also be in the end screen. Click it because that is how you continue this story. But for now, wow, I need to give my immediate comments because this has been set up so well. I do apologize. A little bit of a cliffhanger, but uh, wow, so far, so good. I just want to say to OP, like obviously we're not going to know exactly what the revenge is going to be at this stage, but you're just a very good teacher, aren't you? You don't take any trash from anyone. Everything you do is to perfection. It's all set out. It's all meticulously planned. And it just means that because of your bad experience in the past, I guess, there is absolutely no way you're ever going to be caught out by anyone. Students, parents, even your own principal. I mean, they've got nothing on you. You just know exactly what you're doing. It's brilliant to see. I wish my teachers were a bit more like this. I, for one, cannot wait to see what happens next. I mean, I feel like it's not going to end very well. And uh, yeah, that group, if they are grouped together, it's not going to be the best. But nonetheless, you're going to have to wait till later on tomorrow if you're watching this on the day it goes live or it might already be out. Go ahead. Link in the description, pin comment, whatever platform you're on, it's there. Part two is coming. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 